I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Happy Star Wars Day for fans who have created an annual holiday out of May the 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. I spoke briefly with Star Wars creator George Lucas on the red carpet of the Kennedy Center Honors in 2015. Well, I think it's got mythical roots that, you know, that are on psychological motifs that relate to everybody and have for thousands of years. We figured it was going to fail. Everything I did around it was, how was I going to continue to work on it if it, the first one fails? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's good. I had a great run, and I'm very happy about it, and I'm proud of the work that I did, and, you know, this is a great ending to it. Still going, but now I build museums and, and uh, do other things. You know, it becomes a new experience. I mean, it's not like you had to work your way through it, and you know where all the mistakes are, and you know everything. You just get to watch the movie and enjoy it. So it's much more fun. Well, I don't know. The biggest thing that's happening is becoming more democratic. Uh, it's becoming more like uh, literature, which is anybody can do it. The, the economic barrier that used to be there when I started is gone. And the, the, the gatekeepers, which are the people that distribute the movies, they're gone. So now it's very easy to make a movie and get it seen by a million people. Mr. Lucas, your Ark of the Covenant's at the National Geographic, and your Lucasfilm curators were having a little rumor. Is They said that there's a rumor that either the Yoda puppet or the Star Wars script is inside. Can you confirm nor deny? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> did you and Mr. Spielberg really make a bet about Close Encounters in Star Wars, which would do yes, better? we did. <laughs> well, not which would do better, we just traded points. Oh, I so traded you're, you're still cleaning up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I also broke down the iconic music of Star Wars with conductor Emile Deku, who performed it live with the National Symphony Orchestra at Wolf Trap last summer. Star Wars. Talk about what makes that John Williams score so, so amazing. Oh, it's, I mean, I, there's almost no words because it, it's it's a set-alone piece. He had written a lot of really great scores before that. And when you, li- I've been watching these movies for like six weeks every day or twice a day. <laughs> just to get ready for the performances. And, you know, from 1977, it's hard to imagine a world without John Williams' score of Star Wars. It's like it's always existed because it's, it's become so iconic. And just, you know, it starts with the Fox fanfare, which we play live. And then you see the famous scrolling uh, text going into the horizon. And I'm watching a clock and on this millisecond, this 
gigantic B flat major chord just bursts out. And just with this one chord, if you didn't know where you were, you know that's by Don Williams, the, the sound, how it scored, the weight of it. And you see the sign that the word Star Wars burst on the screen at the exact same time as this, this entire orchestra erupts. It's absolutely thrilling. I, I just I just get chills just, just when I'm studying it because it's just something that's so powerful about this music. Then you get that great theme, which is one of the great themes in, in movie history that he won his Academy Award for, that he also uses uh, a made like Wagnerian compositional devices because when he and Lucas made this film, they didn't know it was going to be a hit. It could have been a one-off. It could have been, I don't know, a, a flop. But for some reason, it just, it became one of the most powerful film franchises in film history. And, but just the care that he writes, uh, just like Wagner's Ring Cycle, taking all these leitmotifs or themes that you identify with different characters and the heroic themes and how they come back. Uh, it, it's, it's awe-inspiring, really, because I, the, when I study these film scores, especially great ones like Star Wars, and there aren't very many like Star Wars, um, I study it like, like I would study a, a Beethoven symphony. And so as you first, you, you, you go through it all, you analyze every harmony in the entire thing, which takes a long time because it's a big score and orchestration and form. And it has all the same elements that you would have in a Wagner opera. And then you also notice things that you can't hear when the, when the movie is actually playing. And these people, orchestrators, John Williams took such care to develop this in, in the most sophisticated way. And that's why I'm so excited about having this live because this will be the first time, even if you know this movie like the back of your hand, that you will hear things you've never heard before. And the movie will just jump off the screen all the more because it's just, it's John Williams. Love it. Yeah, you're, I love how you're talking about that, how it just blasts on the screen with that text crawl. Oh my it, God, the, the audience will scream. As soon as they, see, <laughs> they hear that chord and they see the words on this massive screen. Right. Because, you know, it's in the past 10 years or so, people are so used to, seeing movies on their phone or on, you know, I don't know, on a laptop and to be able to see it, or even if you have the best you know, smart television at home, to see it on a screen that big. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Southern California. So I remember in the sixties with my parents, I'd go to drive-in movie theaters and which was fun. I think I saw most of all my old, old movies on a drive-in screen, which are huge. The sound system was terrible, but <laughs> the, the screen was great. Right. So it's kind of like the best of a drive-in movie theater, except for you're sitting on the lawn at Wolf Trap with uh, one of the great orchestras of the world. Absolutely. Um, and ironically, drive-ins made a bit of a comeback uh, during the oh, yeah. pandemic, but now, but imagine it with a live orchestra. It's going to be really something else. Oh, um, yeah. and the, the funny thing, too, because I was noticing just, you know, spending all the time with this, these scores, um, and I walked by a movie theater and I was seeing what they were playing. And I think maybe because I spent my whole life in music, but I thought, you know, the one thing I've missed during this whole pandemic is going to a movie, is going Same. to a theater. Same. Because I, I see a lot of films in planes because I'm always flying, but just I just love the magic of going to a theater and the theater gets dark. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have those old fashioned curtains open in front of the screen <laughs> yeah. and the movie starts. Right. And it's just nothing more magical to me than that. Preaching to the choir, man. <laughs> 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 um i do want to get into the more of the actual live orchestra like the ha like uh in the pandemic and just all that stuff but doubling back to star wars really quick um 
because you mentioned the op- that opening theme that blasts on the screen, but also talk, give me, give me a little bit on the Imperial Imperial March. Cause that is just as I, I mean, most movies would kill to have that song, that theme as their villains theme, but star Wars has like multiple famous themes. <laughs> oh, it does. And it's funny, it's funny to see the, the, the progression of the films because I mean, he's, you know, written one just recently, you know, from 1977 until now. And how he evolved in writing Star Wars. And so, so actually the Star Wars, the 1977 movie is kind of like a template of how he would pick from for the later films, Empire Strikes Back has the Imperial March. And so it's interesting to see how he composes for Darth Vader. Because Darth Vader has kind of almost like a Baroque tune that comes back and has like a little trill in a minor key and kind of sinister. But then when you have Empire Strikes Back and you have, you know, Darth Vader's theme full formed is, is thrilling. But it has, it's, it's, it's interesting because you don't hear it in the first film. And of course, there's no uh, Yoda in the first film, so it's not Yoda's theme. Um, but how, how they just sort of interconnect. And he'll, he'll sometimes superimpose them both on the, on the same music, depending on what's happening on the screen. Uh, but I've never seen a, a craftier score. And, you know, he also will reference... Uh, Prokofiev, you'll hear a little bit of Stravinsky, uh, Korngold also. It'll come from maybe two bars and you go to the sort of like right of spring sounding music, kind of pounding away with the with the soldiers marching through. A uh, little bit of Bernard Herrmann here and there, maybe three notes from Psycho I recognize. I thought, That's really great. It's a little homage along the way. What's the in- instrumentation? I guess it's mostly violins when Luke's staring off at the, what is it, like the double sun or double planets? Or oh, whatever. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think it's strings. It's very high strings. And uh, English horn, so it's, it's kind of wistful. But that, that's 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 a very beautiful moment. Yeah, it's just, I mean, we could talk about it all day. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And hopefully, you know, it, it was it's always been sort of a tradition to talk to you every time these concerts come through, but we haven't been able to for a while. So I've missed talking to you, but now maybe this is the, you know, we, we this is the kickoff to many more to come, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. Stay tuned for a deeper dive into John Williams' iconic music. But first, here's a message from a fellow WTOP podcast. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame for another chat with conductor Emile Deku, who led an NSO tribute to John Williams at Wolf Trap in 2015. Thanks for having me. Now, you might recognize uh, the name and the voice because we talked to you a couple weeks back as you conducted a live uh, orchestral accompaniment to Back to the Future. That's right. It was really exciting. It's the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future that opened our season at Wolf Trap for the summer. And this Saturday will be the end of our season, which we close with the great film music of John Williams. Awesome. Before we, I know there's a there's a million famous themes that he did. Before oh my we, goodness. We'll, we'll go down on one by one in a minute, but just generally first, I mean, what made John Williams so spectacular? And not past tense, he's still going. What is it about his talent? It's something about the music and the film and the story. And with so many films, you can remember, oh, I don't know, whatever classic film you love, and just love the film and love the characters, love the story. But with John Williams, the music is so integral to the story. If you think about the end of Mm E.T., if you watched it without the sound, it would be a totally different film. So I think 
all the films that we're doing, people will know and love. And you remember it either from childhood or even more recent films. But you can just hear the music and you not only remember the film, but you feel how you felt when you saw the film maybe for the first time. And it brings you back to that and moment. It's, and it's very personal. It's, it's, almost, uh, it's almost like folk music. Everybody knows all of this music so well, you can just you know, kind of whistle it from start to end. Now, as you go through all the different, um, on stage, as you go through the different uh, pieces of music, will there be clips accompanying it on screen, or how is that going to work? Uh, no, it's just, just a, the music itself. Okay. I will be introducing the numbers, and there's a, a, a lot of eclectic types of musics and a lot of music we actually the orchestra has never played before so it's nice. a it's a, a bigger mix than we've done in the past and we have a special surprise at the end for our star wars but we'll talk about that maybe in a bit yeah 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 let's go let's kind of go through the playlist here so people know sure. exactly what uh they're in for here um and just man these all these are just you can't smile not looking at these titles <laughs> raiders of the lost ark right, yeah. 1981 steven spielberg classic absolutely and it's, it's how we're starting our concert we've done it several times i've connected it with the orchestra at the at the capitol before and it's actually started our rehearsal this morning uh raiders i thought 10 o'clock in the morning this is the best way to wake up <laughs> but it's just it's just it's quintessential john williams and there's something about him and how he writes a march rhythm and years ago i think it was uh 2003 there was a film festival at the kennedy center and john williams was our guest conductor for the entire week and you could just tell leonard slatkin our music director then said uh, so many composers are identifiable with just you know a melody or a two bars of music. And if you remember how the beginning of Raiders yep. starts just with one note yep. and a certain rhythm, and you know exactly what that piece is and who it's by. Yeah, that Raiders march. And even like the love theme in there, that whole yeah, it's movie beautiful. Is just, it's it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Or the, in the mystery when they have the ark. And Absolutely. The, oh, the miracle of the ark. Oh, yeah, the just... orchestra plays it so well. It's, it's also so incredibly well written for orchestra. And there are certain types of composers that any orchestra, and especially our orchestra, because we've had an associa uh, association with John Williams and his music for a while, that they just absolutely love this music and respect it as much as any music you'd play in any concert yeah. in the world. It's not It's not just some popcorn mainstream movie <laughs> theme. It's, it's taken seriously it's, almost like a classical composer. Absolutely. And there's, there's, there's hardly anybody in, in film music or in pops music that could equal that type of respect and love from uh, from seasoned professionals. Absolutely. All right, moving down the playlist. Yes. So after Raiders, you'll go to another, a more recent Spielberg flick, Lincoln. Lincoln, yes, which is a, a beautiful score and very different. Also marks uh, the 50, 150th anniversary of uh, the end of the war and the death of Abraham Lincoln. And I saw this movie when it first came out, because I love history and I love Spielberg, mm -hmm. and I was late, and so I missed the opening of the film. I since <laughs> have seen it probably 50 times on my, on my laptop. And I was, I was listening, I thought, who wrote this music? I couldn't, I couldn't think it sounds like Copeland, it sounds very Americana, maybe mm -hmm. some folk music, or even Stephen Foster in parts. And I was waited to the end credits, I thought, it's John Williams. Of I course. Just, <laughs> I didn't guess, because he can morph into so many different uh, styles of writing. And I thought, it must be so difficult to write music for for the most iconic figure in American history. But again, John Williams does it perfectly and brilliantly. And we have two sections. One's called Getting Out the Vote, which is kind of a fiddling tune, mm -hmm. which starts with our solo violinist mm -hmm. and then um, you know, tosses around this fiddling music. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next section's for Strings Alone called uh, House Divided, which is mm -hmm. absolutely exquisite. It's like, a, it's like a glorious inspired hymn to Lincoln. All right, and then uh, sticking with the Spielberg theme, because yes. Williams was probably you know his favorite composer. Yeah. He was like the Bernard Herrmann to Hitchcock. You Absolutely. Know? Um, Jurassic Park is next up. 
Yeah, because I just saw the, the Jurassic World, the most yeah. recent one, and they use those written by uh, Michael Giacchino, who wrote Star Trek 2009, which we just also played. And they do use some of the themes from the, the original Jurassic Park. And so this is about a seven-minute suite that, that covers all the different types of uh, right. characters and scary stuff and yeah. sort of the beautiful overarching melody that he wrote the theme of Jurassic Park. Yeah, a lot of people, there's kind of two big ones. There's kind of that Welcome Jurassic Park, which is the yeah, rousing. And then there's the slower one, the piano. Yeah, the thing in the middle, and then it goes back to the sort of rousing march with the very high trumpets. It's a really, you know, if you're a trumpet player, this is a hard concert. There's a lot of high trumpet writing from beginning to end. put them to the test. Oh, they love it, though. Yeah, I mean, and there's even some scary elements in there, which kind of harkens to your next one. Yes. Jaws. Jaws, yeah. We rehearsed this, and it is so funny because it starts with just a rumble. So you have like a piano and a bass drum and a very low harp and just like this rumbly, no pitch, this rumbly thing. And then you get those notes, cellos and basses, one note and then two. And the funny thing is... You are again. You know who this is. You know what it is just by hearing two notes. Yeah. You don't even have to hear the da dee da the yeah. third note. It's like the half step note has become as famous in American culture as the squeaky violins and the Hitchcock shower scene yeah. in Psycho. Yeah, I mean, I think you can still go to the beach today and have little kids who pro- some of them maybe Yo. not even seen the movie still humming that at the Yo. beach. And it's very, you know, it's funny. We rehearse in the morning at the Kennedy Center, and there's very little that will crack an orchestra up at 10, 15 in the morning. And we're playing this, and everybody just started laughing. So uh, I thought that's a good sign. It's so great. <laughs> it still means something. It's it's uh, The film's 40 years old. So yeah, that's a, 40th anniversary. That's an old shark. Absolutely. And yep. still terrifying. The phobia is still there. Yeah, exactly. It's still but scary. still bites. I think of all of the themes that we're, we're going down the list here, I mean, I th- feel like that's the one, if you remove it from the movie, it's just totally different. Yeah. That it, saved many moments when the shark wasn't working, right? That's true. And it's uh, it was one of his first big hits also, because mm-hmm. it was 40 years ago. It was a while. It's incredible. Um, after Jaws came out, the big follow-up movie was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's the next one you'll be playing. Yeah, and that actually has a, a real music link, because it's the, the theme that you hear partway through played in the winds and on bells, mm-hmm. which is how they finally communicate yeah. with these aliens. But again, you have that sort of magical theme that connects, that sort of cracks mm-hmm. the code, as uh, as it were. And But again, these amazing, he is the most melodic composer, I think, of anyone that I've conducted since, other than maybe Tchaikovsky. Because it is really hard to have one composer sustain an entire evening. Yeah. Even in classical music, maybe a Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, Gershwin, right. and John Williams. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Well, Mozart, but... Uh, yeah. You can count on maybe one hand, and it's because his his amazing melodic gift, which you hear all throughout Close Encounters. Totally. I mean, Jaws is those, he gets so much out of those two notes. In Close Encounters, (laughs) it's that five notes, right? Exactly. Um, They even do it on the the little kid plays it on the xylophone. Yeah, it's cute. It's It's cute. I thought it was really great that uh, they gave him such license to be an integral part of the of the story instead of just having him write music after the music or the film's already done. Absolutely. now, kind of shifting gears from that sci-fi flick now to a Christmas classic, Home Alone. Home Alone, yeah, which the NSO is going to perform this coming season around Thanksgiving time with the complete film. And we have two uh, choruses because we'll have a chorus for this concert coming up on Saturday. And so we have two Christmas choruses. And I, always, I kind of like doing Christmas music out of season because by the time you get to Christmas, you know, you're shopping, you hear yeah. Flay Ride and Johnny Mathis from like, early yeah. October on. Yeah. You just don't really hear Christmas music. I always <laughs> listen to Christmas music out of season. Before, yeah. So we have Christmas this, in it, August. <laughs> yeah, so we have this two Christmas choruses with orchestra um, to sort of bring back 
Home Alone. Somewhere in my memory, right? Yes. That's the one? Yes. You guys will know it the second you hear it. It's a childhood childhood favorite. Yeah, you mine. might not know it, and you might not even realize John Williams wrote it yeah. or that there's singing in it, but there is. That was with Chris Columbus, and they, so right. that, that kind of set up their later pairing in, in uh, Harry Potter, exactly. which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but for after that, on your playlist, you got Catch Me If You Can. Yes, which is really cool. It's another piece the orchestra has not played before, so it's our, our first time. And it's, um, again, a totally different sound. If you think of, of Raiders, you think of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get Catch Me If You Can, which sounds like <laughs> very cool Mancini's 60s jazz, which is on right. purpose of where the film was set. Right. And actually, John Williams, when he studied, he studied at the Juilliard School of Music and made money as a jazz pianist. Ah, so okay. it's kind of going back to his early roots of, of childhood. And uh, features our guest saxophonist from the U.S. Army Band, Paul Taylor, in an extremely cool cat Sax solo. So we had a, a lot of fun with that. It's only <laughs> awesome. maybe about two, two and a half minutes long. It's it's a, it's a perfect little gem of a piece of cool 60s jazz. That's so cool. I'm starting to kind of see how you guys ordered these a little, because Catch oh. Me If You Can had Leo, and now we move into Titanic. Oh, You're that's doing right. a special tribute. Uh, this isn't a John Williams. This right. is a tribute to the late James Horner, but late. you've included it in here. Explain we why. We have. Uh, well, James Horner uh, passed away... Last month, and we have everyone loves his music, and was, his music is very close to my heart. I love so much of what he wrote. We have performed his music, of course, with the Kennedy Center and at Wolf Trap, and our dear friend at the NSO, Marvin Hamlish, most recently conducted mm-hmm. "My Heart Will Go On" as a solo piece uh, in 2006. We played the end credits to Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan uh-huh. with uh, Leonard Nimoy saying wow. this is the famous monologue from offstage before he came on stage for the second part. So nice. uh, I love his music. It's a way of, um, of remembering him and thanking him for all the hours, countless hours that he has given to us of beautiful music. So we've made a special arrangement for our orchestra and chorus of My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. And man, that... It's got to be cool to follow in Marvin Hamlish's footsteps. Oh, that's, conducting that. oh that, that's impossible. But it's because <laughs> he was he was amazing. He was a one of a kind. He yeah. really was. And and when when he passed away, uh, the, the mold was never to be yeah made again because he he really harkened back to those that great golden era of of yeah. live performance right. and everything he did. It was nothing was scripted and nothing was canned. He would come on stage. He would gauge the audience, and he would make a tailor made show just for whoever came there. And yeah. and he was equally charming and funny and natural backstage as he was on. So what you saw as a yeah. public Marvin Hamlish was just yeah. was just him. And we miss him very much. But we're... Lost two titans with Hamlish and now James Horner. Absolutely. I mean, and uh, so it'll be it'll be a nice tribute hearing My Heart Will Go On. And obviously Titanic has a m- millions and millions of fans. They will love oh, that. Oh, yes. And even, I promise, even if you're out there rolling your eyes, you didn't like the Celine Dion or whatever, the instrumental <laughs> version will give you goosebumps. Guaranteed. That's right. Well, it Every does. Time. And we have, and with a chorus, I think it'll be, it'll be that much more impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So whether you like Celine Dion, that's yeah. right. I feel she did a great job in the film, I thought. I thought so too, but you know, there's there's some Titanic haters, but get out there and I get <laughs> I guarantee you uh the strings will give you goosebumps. They and then will. before the intermission, you close out with e. the one and only E.T. Flying Music. That's one of my absolute favorite films and yeah. soundtracks. Yeah. And we're playing this is uh it's called Flying Music, but it's actually the end of the end of the film. It's what uh, John Williams calls the, the final the final reel, which is another piece that he did at the Kennedy Center in 2003. And he did it with the film, which uh, there's no film for us, but just uh, the music. And I still remember I was assisting at the time and the orchestra left and they were going to do a a check of the film to make sure the film was working properly. And so they showed the very end where Elliot gets on the bicycle (laughs) to escape the police and E.T.'s on the bike with him. And then it takes off. It lands to the very end of the movie. And 
I was watching. I grew up in Los Angeles, so I remember the San Fernando Valley. It looks just like when I was a kid. The development room. The yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the track house. Yeah, it looks yeah. exactly the way my, where my parents live. And um, I was watching it without the, the music, and I thought, this is really, it's, it's a good film, but it looks like a good TV film. And then that evening, we have it with the music, and it was a very fancy crowd. It was a gala, and all these you know beautiful people in suits and gowns and everything, and everybody is absolutely crying. <laughs> Everyone's in tears yes. at the end, but the difference was because it was the music was there. Yeah. And the music gives that scene, as it does so many scenes in John Williams' films. That, talking about the final it, scene? The final scene. I'll that be give, right here. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, it gives ouch. the film a heart. and. When you listen to the music, I got I chills do. when you said that. <laughs> I'm picturing it. I got chills. But you listen to the music, and it, it, it brings it, it brings it back. And and something exceptional about that film and in film history is that John Williams had written the music that we're going to play, and he couldn't line it up with the film. And it just whatever he did, trying to speed up, slow down, it wouldn't line up the way he wanted it to line up. And so Spielberg said, "Don't worry, just record the music, and I'll cut the film around the music." which has never happened in Hollywood. It's always the other way around. But I think that's why the movie is such a great film and why it's a classic. Because uh, in this case, the music came first. It's a great story, of course, but the music is the the soul of the film. Absolutely. Um, And so that'll take you into intermission. You go out, have a bathroom break, get some food, refreshments. Great food, drink, wine. Then you come back in, and the second half kicks off with The Cowboy's Overture. The Cowboy's Overture, which is from a film that he, he wrote with... John Wayne, and you don't think of um, <laughs> John Williams being, you think of him being in outer space or, right. or, you know, something kind of fantastical, but this is a real, honest, old-fashioned Western. Right. And again, you listen to this, it sounds it sounds like those old uh, Magnificent Seven scores or yeah. Big Country, Burn, yeah. yeah. From the from the fifties, and it's another. Is side there any of Sergio, any any uh, Morricone? Or no, is that no. A <laughs> so there's no spaghetti that's more, western. That's more spaghetti. This okay. is just more classic rib, Hollywood ribs and baked beans. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's a, it's a terrific piece, and it's it's a piece again of by John Williams. So no, it's him because it has a distinctive voice. But I'm sure most people have not heard that before. And I tried with this to have a nice mixture of right. familiar pieces that people do know and kind of surprises that. Uh, you might uh, might be hearing for the first time. Well, that'll be a pleasant surprise. Um, and then you follow it up with one that everyone, especially younger viewers, will know. Which, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. And we have a suite from Harry Potter. And it's another film that I, I heard without knowing who wrote it. And so I was watching <laughs> it. And I thought it sounds it sounds quirky. It sounds like Prokofiev, you know, because he wants it to be magical because right. all the stories of wizardry and witches right. and this and that. And Almost like a nursery quality, like a little, like a... Um, what do you call it? Like a baby mobile sound almost. No, it's true because it. it starts with the celeste, which is a very tinkly keyboard instrument that uh, you'd recognize from the Nutcracker of Sugar mm-hmm. Plum Fairy mm-hmm. or Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it starts uh, with the celeste playing just by by herself, uh, this little simple kind of almost like a kid tune, like you said, in a minor key. Then the strings mm-hmm. come up sort of making the sound of a rustling leaves in the wind. And then we get the all the famous tunes that you recognize. After that, we have a chorus from The Prisoner of Azkaban. Nice. Uh, Double Trouble, which is uh, a feature for our chorus and orchestra. A lot of people hold up Azkaban as as the highlight of the whole thing because it was Alfonso really? Cuarón directing. That, that was one. a brilliant film. Yeah, it was I mean great. it's just amazingly directed, and it's another another thing the orchestra's not played before, so it'll be a a first at Wolf Trap for us. That'll be nice. And then afterwards, the big enchilada, Star Wars. It is, it is, and we have um, yep, we have all the famous tunes from Star Wars. It's about 20 minutes, and it's just, you could have, well, people have had entire evenings of just Star Wars. Of course. Um, but it's just, we rehearsed in order when we uh, put the program together, and you after all these famous pieces, and you get to that, 
And that's like the it's like the aha moment of the concert. It's like this is it. This is one of the greatest pieces of music ever written. Do you period. have a personal favorite in the Star Wars? I mean, is it the main theme? Is it the Imperial? You know, March? I like the Imperial March. Yeah. I don't know why. There's just something about it because I've done it a lot, <laughs> and it's just it's, it's at one point you get that that repeated ostinato rhythm, and then he yeah. goes up a half step, yeah, and then you get the whole thing again. This is. It's, I don't know how one person could write such a wealth, a variety of music. And you think of even, I don't know, any regular classical composer that you could think of, Brahms or Tchaikovsky. Or, right. They basically wrote in their one Tchaikovsky style all the way through, or Gershwin right. or Bernstein. Right. And John Williams has this amazing gift where he can just morph into whatever the movie needs. Yeah. And you can still hear and sense his personality, but amazingly changeable composer more than anyone else i could think he just can do practically anything and yeah star wars that's that's the the climax of the evening and then we have i don't know i think we have about 60 or 70 star wars characters oh wow who will join us they'll be around at intermission so they love having people take pictures right. and i have something sort of uh choreographed for the very end of the end of the the concert which will that's you have awesome. to come and see it, see it at Wolf Trap Live. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the uh, the American Film Institute voted Star Wars as the greatest score of all time in that, their, one of their recent lists. So yeah. I think that I think you're right, making that the climax of your absolutely, of your show. and it still sounds it sounds brand new. Yeah, it really does. It's amazing. Before we go, which I mean, we just named. It's like, how do you choose? But which one are you most excited for? Is there one that every time you play it on stage, you just blows you away? Oh. Well, I do love Star, I do love Star Wars. <laughs> no, it is because all of them is like every yeah. one is my favorite one when I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, for me, E.T. has been one of my, not just John Williams, it's one of my favorite pieces of music. Yeah. There's something, because I guess like a lot of people in our audience, when you see a movie uh, that really grabs you and it becomes personal, it becomes mm -hmm. not just a movie, it becomes mm -hmm. something that you take in your imagination and keep there. And keep in your heart. And so when I, whenever I hear this music, I think of the movie and I think of the times I've seen it and how much it's meant to me. And so that's kind of a, a, a personal favorite for those reasons. Tears will probably be streaming. One that's, <laughs> one that's not on here that's interesting, maybe that? you didn't include what? Schindler's List. Shit, actually, that was originally on there. Yeah. And uh, when we decided to add um, the tribute to James Horner, we had to oh, we right. had to take that one out because it was. It, because you could go on all night, and right, so right. that was the the one swap. But yeah, Schindler right. actually was on the the original program. I got you, man. There's just just so many. How do you? Yeah, we could do them? a whole another evening on Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> and we haven't even we haven't even mentioned the encore. So come out. That's right. To see what that one is. I promise, it's a very famous one. Absolutely, it's uh, gonna and, be a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so much for taking the time to come in and, and chat about all these. It's you can hear the music as we're as we're talking about them. It's in exactly. all. It's embedded in all of our heads. It is. Everyone will know every tune, so you can hum along. Absolutely. On the way home. Absolutely. <laughs> Emile Deku, everybody, who will be conducting the NSO at Wolf Trap with a special tribute to the legendary movie music of John Williams. Emile, thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.